previously on CSI Atlanta. It's Kendrick Johnson, upside down, inside of a wrestling mat. They run, go get a teacher. The teacher says to one of the students, call 911. She does so on her cell phone. And then there's complete panic because they push the mat over and then they see this just horrible, horrible, frightening, sad scene. So one of two things now has to be true. Somebody put him in that mat, or he went in voluntarily and lost his grip. Those are your options. That's it. I'm CBS 46 anchor Karen Greer, and you're listening to CSI Atlanta, the podcast. Each episode, I'll take you on a deep dive into some of Georgia's most fascinating cases. I'm working alongside CBS 46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mack McCollum and her team at the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. When students found the body of 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson in their high school gym, they were saddened, horrified, and shocked. But no one has carried the sorrow of his loss more than his mother, Jackie Johnson. Jackie's grief quickly shifted to confusion when the medical examiner determined Kendrick died by accidental asphyxiation. It raised concerns among the family. They wondered if they were being told the truth. They worried their son's death wasn't being thoroughly investigated. Whether Kendrick's death was an accident or otherwise, that question only caused divisions in the community to deepen. First, his family didn't understand how the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's explanation of his death was possible. Officials concluding Kendrick had climbed on top of the rolled-up mat which was stored vertically, and reached down inside of it to retrieve a shoe when he got stuck upside down. The rolled-up mat was six feet tall. Kendrick stood five feet, ten inches tall. So reasonably, he could have reached something on the ground from the position in which he was found. What doesn't make sense to the Johnson family is how Kendrick squeezed his body into the center of the mat, an opening that was only about 14 inches wide. My son was an athlete. My son worked out. He had his own weight bench in our backyard. Then he worked out at the schoolhouse, and, you know, he ran track. So I know my son, being Kendrick, who he is, he would have took all those mats, threw those mats down, and got his tennis shoes and went to class. They tried to make like he was so dumb to get up on some bleachers Feeling that the findings in the original autopsy were not enough to answer their questions, Kendrick's family asked the school to release surveillance video from that day. The school refused, citing student privacy as the reason for not releasing the video. Ten months passed before the school district handed over the footage, 
And sadly, it didn't provide the clarity anyone hoped it would. A series of cameras through the school captured Kendrick as he walked away from a classroom to the gym. Kendrick is seen entering the gym by himself. The camera didn't catch anyone else walk in for another three minutes. Another camera that was aimed toward the mat was so blurry and pixelated, no one was able to discern what happened. There was one more thing Kendrick's family believed was being overlooked. Well, they knew that he had an issue with somebody on a bus where he was in a physical altercation. The fight happened between Kendrick and another boy two years prior when they were on a school bus on the way to a sporting event. This fight was the catalyst for the mounting discord in Valdosta. Investigators realizing a years-long feud could be a motive, looked into this other teen and soon found he was on a bus to a wrestling tournament in Macon at the time Kendrick died. But Kendrick's family simply didn't believe it. They say he didn't leave until about 3.30. The coach says they left at 1.30. He wasn't even there when Kendrick went into the gym. In order for us to believe that he was murdered, that means every coach, every player on that bus, every teammate, the administration, the bus driver that sure Lord doesn't have a dog in the fight. They're all involved to protect this one kid over Kendrick? Think about what it takes to cover that up just for a minute. The magnitude, the number of people. Mm -hmm. And this is not in any day, you know, this is not disrespectful. This is an honest question for me. Right. What makes Kendrick Johnson the center of this type of conspiracy? Right. Well, those are the things we have to get answers to. And then it became a black-white issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. With members of the football team. Yes. Uh, versus Kendrick. Yes. So you had his family saying, we think these are the people that hurt him. These people were saying, we didn't hurt him. And then it became, well, then it's a cover-up. And it's got to be a cover-up because this person's dad is in federal law enforcement. And so it got really ugly very quickly. And sometimes when you have something this excited and volatile and emotional, facts are not in the forefront. Sometimes emotion is. Emotion certainly was at the forefront, and arguably, it still is. For years, the family has been embroiled in lawsuit after lawsuit, all rooted in the belief that Kendrick was beaten to death and stuffed in the mat, and that his murder is being covered up. I don't think I'll ever really be at peace with it, because in the manner of death, my child was killed. But to have just a little bit of closure, I want to know what happened to my child, why Kendrick, I mean, how could you do this to him? I just got so many questions. 
Cheryl says the distrust between the family and law enforcement and between black and white residents in Valdosta has permeated the community, clouding the truth and preventing healing for everyone involved. What would it take to change that? It starts with clear communication with Kendrick's mom. I think that's why it's uber important for her to sit with people that know and can understand. Because here's what I hope for her. She's in a position where she's got 59,000 followers and she's got the ear of all these people. There's some good she can do. Nobody ever from this day forward should have a loved one stuffed with newspaper. You can tell me it's not illegal, but it's horrible. That should never be a practice. Nobody should ever wonder where are my loved one's organs. There's things she can do that nobody else could get done. She could literally change the law in that regard to say this is not just a best practice, this is how you're gonna do it. Do I believe that anybody at that school wanted him dead inside that school in the middle of the afternoon while classes and everything else were going on? No, I don't. I think people, when they heard he died, their first reaction was the truth. Popular kid, good kid, sweet kid, everybody liked him, tremendous athlete. That's what I think. So use this to help others. Yes, because here's the reality. Whatever happened to Kendrick, she should not have to wonder. If it's so clear to Lowndes County, and it's so clear to the GBI, and it's so clear to the FBI and the U.S. Attorney and everybody else, why isn't it clear to her? They should be able to gently sit with her and explain it. Period. Is it clear to Cheryl McCollum? I think it's clear to Cheryl McCollum that there is nothing forensically that makes me see a homicide. But when you have two autopsies that say blunt force trauma, you can't ignore that either. So I say you and I give her a voice. And I say you, more than anybody, sit with her mom to mom. That's powerful. And say, how, as Karen Greer, can I help you? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to get to sit with you? To get you some closure. Let's get the greatest pathologist that there is. And say, these are the three results. Can you explain it to her? And maybe somebody at that caliber can go, oh, I see what happened. Next time on CSI Atlanta. He was found between two vehicles in the garage, beheaded. Shirley's nowhere to be found. Beheading is going to strike people with such a different chord. That to me is much more just devil. I mean, that's just evil. CSI Atlanta is brought to you by CBS 46 in Atlanta, Georgia. 
This podcast is hosted by me, Karen Greer, and CBS 46 crime scene investigator Cheryl Mack McCollum. This episode was produced by Natasha Lee and Rhiannon Youngbauer and engineered by Eric Sander. Sound design by Ray Merriman. Mm-hmm.